One more thing. A tremendous, humongous thank you. I don't know if you're on social media or what have you, or we're friends or whatever. I'd rather be friends with you in real life and talk to you in person. However, you may have seen last weekend the Myers family were out in the middle of the woods hanging out in a treehouse. Thanks to you. Thank you. Yeah, give yourself some love, all right? Because we so, so, so appreciated you sending us away like that. Um, if you know anything about this guy, there's nobody more important than his wife and his children. I love you all, but you're way down the line, okay? And if you go to a church where you're first, leave, okay? Because if a husband doesn't love his wife and children more than you, you don't want to stay there, okay? But what I'm saying is this. I love my wife and my children, and you sent me away with them, and we had so much fun hanging out in the middle of the woods, burning stuff, and, and just I was a man again. You know, and, and it just happened to be the Autumn Glory Festival over in Garrett County, uh, Western Maryland. So I got to go to a car show. You know how long it's been since I've been to a car show to see muscle cars and stuff? Man, where my, where's my guys at? All right. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Your boy is refreshed, rejuvenated, had a great time, uh, ate tons of s'mores and candy, and I'm just happy. Let's go. You guys ready for a good day? I am. I'm ready. I'm pumped. So big shout out to my boy, Drock. Derek, Drockington Express, whatever you want to call him, uh, for, for giving us good word last week and helping to, again, our goal to synthesize such an amazing, prolific work called Romans by our boy Paul uh, that we're trying to gain new understanding in. Derek, thank you for the historical background, but then also the understanding that we are led forward by the Spirit of God. Think about that. Doesn't that blow your mind that the Spirit of God leads you? Does that blow anybody else's mind? Hopefully by the end of today, thank you, the mind is blown. In the middle. I saw that. There was a lot of smoke coming out. I thought there was a fire. We are led by the Spirit of God. How cool is that? So I'm just excited and loving this book of Romans, this letter written, written to the Church of Rome. Uh, the, the main emphasis that Paul puts out there for us can be found in Romans 5.1. You see that verse on your screen. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace, man, that's a big word, with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. What I attempted to do our first time around uh, in our series, you can go back and listen to that as well, uh, and Derek tried to do uh, the second time around, I'm going to do again, is to try to demystify, if you will, and give some definition to Christianese terms that you hear a lot in the church house, okay? Words like justification, because we've been justified, right? That is that, that picture, that understanding, like again, you got that ticket, you were going 45 and a 25, you were 20 over, you were getting the book thrown at you by the, the judge, you were standing before the judge, and the judge says, you were an idiot, you were a fool. However, I'm going to give you grace in this moment, and I will pay the fine and remove. And that's what Jesus did. That's how we were able to be justified, to stand there guilt-free, just as if we've never done it before, right? Forgiven. That's what justification means. But forgiven of what? And we, in, in the first week, we defined a common term called sin, but a big word, just three letters that we don't often think about a lot in our walk, in our, in our, in our faith, Sin, again, you get that Old Testament picture of, of the archer drawing back the bow, okay? And the archer trying to hit the target, which was the law that was given 
to the Jewish folk. And he's trying, she's trying to hit the target, but they're missing the mark, okay? But then we get this, this whole New Testament you know, philosophy, theology, which is a, a lack of likeness to Christ, a thought process of do I look like Christ? Do I act like Christ? Because he became the new standard, right? Didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill the law and to create a love your God as your, you know, and your neighbor as yourself kind of mentality that we are supposed to carry. But sin separates us from that, right? And then another word, big word, grace, unearned, undeserved favor from God. You did nothing to get it, but God loves you so much. So much that he says, you know what? You deserve this, but I'll give you this because doesn't that blow your mind? Grace, one of the hardest things to come by in our own lives, but also to give to others. And then we define a word like faith, which means complete trust, complete trust. How'd you like coming in and sitting your little fanny on that pew today? Isn't that nice and cush? You sat down with absolute trust that that thing wouldn't fall out from under you, right? How many of you slept like a baby last night? Anybody sleep like a baby? Who did not sleep like a baby? Who struggles with sleep? Lord bless them, I pray, right now in Jesus' name. However, those of you that we hate that slept like a baby last night, how many of you slept like a baby again? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, Bray, just wave it like you don't care, all right? You know, you laid in that bed last night completely trusting that that Serta perfect sleeper would give you that perfect sleep. Or Tempur-Pedic would wake you up with the right temper. You know what I mean by this? That you would come up out that bed, kind of thing, right? Trust. But how often do we lack that type of trust in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ? The once and for all. That's what faith is about. Living within that trust, that complete trust of the atoning sacrifice, which means to take away, atone, another one of those big words, weird words, to take away the sin, to take place and to give us the forgiveness, right? Atoning work. And then another word that I've been thinking about a lot here lately is a word um, that's, that's probably something you hear quite a bit but don't often take in to your own heart and mind. And it's a word called responsible. And when reading Romans and, and kind of walking with Paul through this journey, this, this word popped out to me as, as something that's important for us to talk about today. But it's also something that has been uh, if you will, churning within my spirit for quite some time. The title is going to be the responsible of the redeemed, responsibility of the redeemed. But but let's talk about responsibility, just a little bit. When you think about this in your life and, and all of the things that you do and say and places you go and all these things you're involved with, can you ask yourself that hard question? Like, how responsible are you for all of those things? If you're like me. You can easily be like squirrel and, and go to the side and see something and get involved with something that you have no responsibility doing. Anybody else with me on that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying by that? You spend a lot of time doing things that don't matter. Or you'll find yourself engaged in situations with folks and things like that that you're not responsible for. That's not your thing. Or you'll find yourself dreaming this, doing this, that you're not responsible for. That's not your thing. And how often is it, how, how hard is it to, to decipher what is right and what is wrong? What, what direction we're supposed to get? What are you really responsible for in this life? Are you with me on this? See, we talk about responsibility. If we were to define it, it is accountability or a burden. And when I think about the responsibility of the redeemed, I think this changes the definition as to how I will spend my time, heart, talent, all the things that I have within my life. Because there's things that I should be doing, and there's things that I should not be doing. There's things that will make the kingdom grow or make the kingdom die. Do you get what I'm saying here? 
And we have a responsibility as the redeemed of the Lord. I want to start with um, what I believe uh, should be a uh, a church-wide uppercase C, repentance, if you will, Um, and really uh, a chance to to say that we're sorry for something. Because I think that pastors, oh, you guys are like, oh, geez, what's going to happen? I think the church has, uh, has messed you up. You know why? Because I think the church, uppercase C, has said, hey, listen, you know what? And I'm not against this. We're going to make you some nice warm coffee that you can come in and you just put your cup up under there and, you, and you're like, dark roast it is, okay? Or we're going to say, sit your nice little fannies down in this comfortable little seat and just absorb and take in. Or we say, we're going to make it so convenient for you. Whatever you want, we will do it. Because you know what? Walmart's not the only one trying to please you in this life. The church is too, right? Do you, you know what I mean by this? What we have created is this consumer culture, okay? One in which, and listen, I'm not blaming you. This is what most pastors, y'all need to get up and do something. Y'all need to serve better and get your, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. This is our fault. This is our fault. Because we have not created a culture that is about contribution. We have created a culture that is about consumerism. And one of the biggest problems we have within the church is we, all of us, don't assume the responsibility of the redeemed. You get what I'm saying? Way deeper, way deeper than Operation Christmas Child, which we're responsible to care for orphans around the world or widows. And I mean, great religion there is what James talks about. But everyday life is far greater than one day a week. Church is greater than 432 High Street. That's the address here. It's greater. And just in case, you're like, where's that at? <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Drop a pen. You're the pen. All right? It's greater than that. And I think as Christ followers, we have either not been instructed, and this is where the pastors have got it wrong, we have not instructed you as to what it looks like to, to understand sin in one's life. That's why we identified this, and Paul helped us do that. To understand salvation, that's why we're doing this. To understand that this, the Spirit of God lives and dwells in you and helps you. But also to challenge you to serve in the way that God has equipped you. Church is a consumer sport, and we did it for you. Congratulations, you fell for it. Does that make sense? You're like, oh crap, don't I come to church on Sunday? I'm not saying that. Because we're celebrating what God has done throughout the week. We come here and we don't forsake fellowship, being together to encourage one another, to spur one another on, to pray with one another, to share the winds of the week. But what I'm saying is this. We have forsaken our responsibility. We as pastors and leaders of the church and us as Christ followers because you have not been directed as to how or what you are responsible for. Does that make sense? So, I apologize. However... When we come to new knowledge and new understanding, what do we do with it? See, Jesus helps us to understand this in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He gives us our reason for responsibility. Our reason for responsibility. And the reason isn't just like, well, here's the reason why. It's the reasoning why we are responsible. In our minds, we reason why I am responsible, okay, for this. So I have to carry this. He says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm, I love that. This is one of the biggest struggles in human nature, that four-letter word rest, isn't it? 
so hard for us because we always want to go, 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 go. Be connected, be connected, be connected. Do, 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 all right? But he's saying, I'm going to give you soul deep rest. We talked about that about a month or so ago. You can check that out as well online. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, we see this as, as a farming implement that would be over top of an ox, a yoke in which it would pull a farming implement behind it so that it could till the soil and prep and do all those kinds of things. But we also see this in, in the conundrum of the people of Rome as well. Uh, do we stay in the law and perpetuate the law, or do we totally go all in with Jesus and what he's doing? Doesn't this sound like life even now? Do I get stuck on doing, or do I get stuck on being? We're the same. We never change. This is like human nature. It's like, it's just a different thing in a different flannel. You know what I mean? It just doesn't matter. They wore flannel then. I'm convinced. Just kidding. Thank you, Matt. For I am gentle and humble in heart, he says. Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Come on. I love the sound of that. So deep. He says, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Jesus says, my yoke, my teaching, my goal for your life, what I want to place upon you so that you can go and be everything that I've called you to be is easy and light. That doesn't mean it's not difficult to walk it out every day because you're still working, right? You're still tilling. You're still getting the soil prep. But what he's saying is this, is compared to the law and religious times and religious leaders in this way and all that they try to impose upon you, this is way easier. Can you just follow me? Take what I have and place it upon you because I'm carrying the thing that you can't carry. Is that good? I think that's good. All right? So we see this as a burden or responsibility that we have as the redeemed of Christ. Romans 12. Romans 12. Therefore, starting with verse 1, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Is this starting to ring a bell now? You remember hearing about this maybe in church growing up? You heard the pastor speak about it a couple times or, or you read it in your, your yearly devotional or something that popped up. It's starting to make a little sense or maybe you're hearing it and I hope so for the very first time. And I hope you get as excited as God wants you to get excited about this. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your spiritual act of worship. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. You're like, oh, I know this one. That's right, I remember this. I've heard this before. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like, getting into this mind stuff? Yep, yeah, it's in there. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Put that in your heart for a second. Like, God's will. This is something we all want to know, okay? So just hold on to that. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Acceptable will. For by the grace given me, Paul speaking, out of honesty, in his own life, grace, undeserved favor, right? We'll get to that in just a little bit. I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many parts, Mr. Roboto, right, you with me? And these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all 
the others. Man, isn't that deep to think about it? We come up as a consumer, right? Because they made you be this way. We made you be that way. We made you come, receive, take in, leave unchanged, right? We, we've done this to you. Versus, man, I've got a function in this body. I've got something that I'm supposed to do, and I'm accountable to people around me. Let that sink in. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us, each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It is, if it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then, giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Do you feel responsibility rising up within you already? There's things that we should be doing that we have not been educated upon, that, that we, we have this opportunity to do within the body of Christ, meaning outside these walls, and make a difference in this world and come back on Sunday and celebrate that God has enabled you to do as the body of Christ. We are responsible as the redeemed. But yet we just go about everyday life as you have been instructed to do. You see what I'm saying here? But we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to step up to the responsibilities that God is challenging us to. And I will give you the disclaimer, and if anybody knows me well, you will know that anything that comes out of my mouth, I'm having to, to process through like crazy in my own heart. I will not lie to you or be dishonest and act like, y'all need to do this. We need to do this, okay? Does that make sense? A conversation. So the first thing that we're responsible for, and we see this in, in Romans 12, 1, that we're responsible to be an everyday offering. An everyday offering. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Doesn't that sound kind of like weird? Anybody else sound a little weird to you? Where it's like, offer my body as a sacrifice. Uh, I don't, this is kind of weird, Paul. What, do you, what are you saying by this? When we think about being a living sacrifice, we think about the, the embodiment that we have this body, this, this thing that gets to go out and do things, this mouth that gets to speak, these hands that get to serve and do all this kind of stuff. God is challenging us through the words of Paul here to use this every single day to make a difference in every single thing that we do. See, a living sacrifice is something that can crawl up on the altar, but also, if it wants, can crawl back down prematurely. Does that make sense? God has given you this beautiful thing called free will to do whatever you want. He's not a dictator. He's not sitting there be like, you go here, you go there. Do you picture that? Anybody ever picture God like that? You're like, not exactly in that voice, but yes, the white hair and the scepter thing. Yeah, I've seen that too. God's like, this is your choice, man. This is, this is, lady, this is your responsibility that I have, I have bestowed upon you for you to respond accordingly. See, this is something that is holy and pleasing to God. It is our, our true and, and proper act of worship. See, living sacrifice is, is this understanding that, that God is looking at the heart. You're like, you just talked about, exactly I talked about the body because often what we see is only what's happening on the outside versus the source of what's going on on the inside. We've talked about this this whole series that it's about the heart. 
A living sacrifice is one that has the heart to stay. I was listening to a podcast this past week about a guy that's like a professional CrossFit trainer, like multi-world renowned, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, you crazy, all right? I can't even jump up on that step, let alone jump up on a big old block, okay? Everybody like, you can, I believe. But he was telling, at points, at points, your body wants to stop, but your heart says, keep going. He firmly believes that you can trick your body into going further and further and further. This dude's like 36 years old and, and is like world-renowned CrossFitter, okay? Do you get what I'm saying? I don't even know if that's a thing, CrossFitter, but just go with it. Sounds good, all right? World-renowned, who goes beyond the physical limitation. So, so think about it in your own life. I just can't help finding myself in this situation every time. I don't know why I'm here again. Do you know why? You chose to. You chose to. Literally, think about it, right? The biggest question I want us to start asking ourselves moving forward, big, long, long sentence, why? Why? Over the past few months, that is the one question that I keep asking myself, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you acting this way? What is going on inside of you right now? What is the content of your heart for you to be responding this way with your mouth? For your mind to be thinking this way. What is going on, homeboy? Why are you doing this? Well, Holy Spirit said, well, this is why you're doing that. Because you didn't resolve that. You have unforgiveness here. Or you have hurt there. Or you have frustration there. And I'm like, all right. All right. Let's deal with it. And then, the next time the situation comes up, similar to that, how do I respond once again? Ah, you're not quite there. Why are you doing that? This is human nature, guys. This is God's made us to think this way and to act this way. We can get better through these things when we allow the Spirit of God to lead and direct our hearts so that what we do on the outside changes as well. Does that make sense? It's going to make even more sense now when we talk about the second part, which is we're responsible to cultivate internal change. And I think of this as a gardening aspect as well, and it'll make sense in just a moment. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A lot of times they don't like to talk about that in church, do they? The mind, the power of the mind, mental health, they don't like to talk about that stuff in the church, right? You know what I'm saying? But the renewing of your mind, right? You think about this and the way you think about things and what you are prepping. We talk about that as, as prepping the soil, his yoke on our back. And I picture us prepping the soil for what God wants to plant in us and the fruit that we'll see on the other side of that. And it starts here. It starts here. Does this make sense to you? But we have to be transformed. Why transform? The word in the Greek is the, the metamorpho, which is a metamorphosis, right? Have you ever watched a butterfly change? Isn't that, well, they don't change, they die. Um, but from, yeah, to a butterfly, have you ever seen that type of change happen? You're like, yeah, I saw it change on the front of my car, you know? And, oh, a monarch, that's beautiful, as I walk by it. I'm like, caught that one. <laughs> um, but you get what I'm saying here. You think about this this metamorphosis when there is change within your heart it changes the way you think it changes the way you act it changes the things you do because christ has changed you from the inside out any day you can be like anyone else 
Think about that. Any day you can be like anybody else. Right? Any day you can wear the same clothes. Any day you can drive the same car. Any day you can buy the same house. Any day you can eat the same food. Do you see what I'm saying here? But to be transformed, you're not like who you were or like anyone around you because you are who you're supposed to be, which leads us to the third observation that we're responsible for, and that is to compare ourselves to Christ, to compare ourselves with Christ. You know, when I'm asking myself that hard question, why, uh, when I ask that big, long question, why, a lot of times within my mind and my heart, I will begin to justify, well, at least I'm not like fill in the blank. You ever do that? Be honest. At least I'm not as bad as my dad was. Or at least I'm not as bad as my mom was. Do you know my brother? Lord, do you know my brother? No, I have no idea who your brother is. I made him. Shut up. You know, you ever picture like God wanting to respond? Be like, Bink! are you stupid? You know, it's like, yes, I know. I know everything. Come on, right? But we, we, we find ourselves in that comparison game, don't we? When we're in that metamorphosis, that transformation, this is where I'm at, you know, and I'm looking out around versus looking within and seeing Christ in there saying, hello, compare yourself with me. Don't compare yourself with those around you. That's a moving target. Has anybody ever experienced someone failing them? Everybody raise your hand. Somebody has failed you. Everybody's with me, right? Everybody's with me. So should we really compare ourselves to others? Mm -mm. Promises of Scripture time and time again, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. For generations, that has been the promise of God. Compare yourself to Christ. Because when you're most like Him, and what you do and say and everything that you are, you will have a peace that goes beyond understanding. That, that you won't be comparing, and remember we did that with the FOMO series a lot, looking around. You are comparing yourself to him, the one who is perfect. You will not be perfect, but that's what we're shooting for. That's the new mark that we're trying to get, to be like Christ. To be like Christ. More like Christ. Worship team, if you guys want to start making your way up. He says, do not think of yourself, right, when we compare ourselves. Because this is by grace. This is what Paul's saying. He said, for the grace given to me, the grace that was given to me, I say to every one of you, because Paul knew grace full well, a murderer. Come on. Is there any worse than that? Can you imagine that? Someone gets out of prison. We should see these, these days. We should see this completely redeemed, justified, set apart, they come out preaching the gospel, would you accept the gospel message from a murderer? Didn't that change things? But it's Paul, the apostle Paul, of course we accept that. <laughs> Again, that's how I read it sometimes. Man, I tell you what, the Action Bible has nothing on the Justin Bible, all right? <laughs> you know, Paul, by the grace given to me, I say this to you. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And he's not saying, beat yourself down. You are absolutely nothing. He's not saying that. That's not what Paul's saying. That's not what the Spirit's trying to say to you today either because his intent here was to think of yourself with sober judgment. We all know what drunkenness looks like. You've seen it in movies. You've seen it in, in 
high street. You've seen it in your life. Maybe you, you know what this looks like. So what, what a great parallel to understand sober, right? Sober and drunk. Just take it as a parallel, as a metaphor right now to understand this a little bit more. When you're sober, how much money do you spend? Very minimal because you've got plans for stuff in the future. But when you're drunk, everybody, it's on the house. You know, you're running a tab for everybody. You're like, that guy's crazy. I'm getting out of this restaurant. It's about to get wild. You know what I'm saying? You don't make good decisions. Do you get what I mean? And when you're looking within your life, Paul's saying, listen, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded, not influenced by anything else but the comparison of Christ in one's life. Do you get what I'm saying here? Understanding that you have been justified, forgiven, without sin. Do you get what I mean? Compare yourself in this way with sober judgment. Why? Because I want you to have, and this is really, translations say, like a, a healthy self-esteem of you and how you view your life because of the faith. You see this? In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Why would Paul say this? To compare ourselves with Christ, have sober judgment, because here's the deal. God wants to use you, a natural human being, to dispense supernatural things into this world. Does that not blow your mind? Can I get a, again? Come on, blue shirt, let's go. Thank you. Well, there's no way I could do that. Of course not. It's not you. (laughs) But are you willing to allow him through you? Are, Are you allowing God to flow through you as you pray for somebody that needs healing. Not that you're the healer because he's the great physician. You're just the one that is being obedient. Read about Israel. It was all about obedience all the time. Read about Israel, if you will, us. It's all about obedience all the time. That's what he blesses is obedience. That's when favor comes, right? That's stewardship principle. It just makes sense. And when you think about this, that God wants you to give life out of grace, Romans 12, 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Look it up. You got gifts, man. You got got things that God has placed within you that he wants to, to do through you, but there's other things happening at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? that inner turmoil, that, that, that fight, that uneasiness, that, that unrest. He's trying to work those things out so that he can work these things in. He's trying to make you a spiritual conduit to be the hands and feet of Christ. He says, you're going to do greater things. He's like, you're going to do greater things. Greater things. Have you ever thought about that? that you are going to do greater things, not just the apostles then, that you are going to do greater things. Does that mean that your miracles will be greater? No, because they're not yours to begin with. What he's saying, imagine if it was only for the 12. It's not for the 12. It's for the world. So numerically, can you imagine if one billion people were doing what Jesus did? Just one billion. What the crap would happen? Can you imagine that? Would we need police officers? No. Because we'd be saying, love your neighbors yourself. Oh, so I shouldn't steal from them? No, you shouldn't. Oh, okay, that makes sense. All of a sudden, crime goes. Think about this stuff, guys. 
greater works through you, through your life when you are emptied out in this way. And that's not you just sit there and kumbaya. No, that's not what I'm saying. Giving life out of grace. So have you been changed by God's grace? Because a lot of times we stop at that not thinking that we have been changed by his grace, that we are not worthy. Take one moment and think about what his grace has meant to you. Seriously, take a moment. What has his loving kindness, his undeserved favor looked like in your life? Find one thing. Okay. Now, seeing what you received, this is a lot of times we we struggle with this. Now, seeing what you have received from him, and you understand that, are you willing to give out of that? Because I have never, and you hear me say this a lot, given Jesus a high five or a handshake, ever, 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 ever. But he did live, he did die, and he did come back, and he ascended to the Father. I know that. So therefore, I know that he helped me so that I can help someone else. And that doesn't happen just on Sunday, like they've told you all these years. It happens every day, every single day. Are you willing to give that? And I end with, with Paul's challenge to the church of Philippi. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. He says, Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. I'm not there. However, but I press on. West Virginia University does the greatest marketing for the church. They say, let's go. That's what we need to do. They say, press on. That's what we need to do. Isn't it great? Every time you see these signs, be reminded of what you're supposed to do. All right? It's so easy. (laughs) Thank you, WVU. You make it so easy. They don't realize it, but they're paying for our marketing. It's great because we don't market. You're it. Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold. I press on. I take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Can you think about that? The arresting of forgiveness, the arresting of love. Were you thrown down by that? Were you cuffed into submission saying, listen to me, I love you. No, you don't. No, you don't. You know what I mean? That's what we do. Yes, I do. Look. Look. Oh, okay. Press on. Brothers and sisters, family, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I challenged folk in first service. Can you be okay with with quiet? Can you be okay with silence? Can you be okay with not being entertained and not having to consume something? I'm trying to break this on my kids now before they get all jacked up like us. Are you okay with no interaction with something that has a bunch of moving pictures on it? Right? Are you okay with looking in the eyes of your literal neighbor? Are you okay with that? We're going to miss it. We're going to miss it if we don't. We forget what's behind and what he was saying. Imagine what Paul was coming from here and the hatred that he had for so many before and, and, and the murders and, and the, think about this, and the judgment towards him and people look, oh, you're just, you're just that guy. You didn't change. I don't care what happened on that road. Jesus who? 
you're still the same God. I don't trust you. Think about forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead. Working, whatever it takes, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward and Christ. The prize in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the prize. The prize came to you so you can go to the prize later. We do everything that we can as we are being his hands and feet to bring people to the prize. Christ Jesus, heaven, that calling. Don't stop. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Take his burden, his yoke upon you. Let's go. Come on, press on. Don't stop. Let's go. Press on. Don't stop. If Paul can do it, the worst of the worst, you can too. But don't be afraid to go away for a few years before you come out ready. What I mean by that, don't be afraid to be alone. Paul was alone. He learned. He gained understanding before he went out and became the missionary, Paul. Don't be afraid of the pressure cooker. Don't be afraid of the pain because in this moment he's producing something in you that will last right that will last Lord we thank you Jesus we thank you that you spoke and you challenged us to take your yoke your burden your responsibility that you hand to us the burden to share good news not a burden that overwhelms or hurts but a burden that excites us that we get to be a part of kingdom work that we get to be your hands and feet jesus that we can live sacrificial lives which means every day believers and followers doing what it takes that we've been redeemed, we've been set free, we are led by your spirit in such a way that your, your spirit wants to flow through us as well. We are humbled and honored by this, Lord. So, Lord, we take a moment, if we have not given you the ownership that you're due of our lives, the lordship, Jesus, we, we identify and say, yes, that you came for me. You died for me. You came back to life for me so that I could be with you someday in heaven and be your hands and feet right now. I accept, Lord, that gift of grace, forgiveness, and I stand justified to be your hands and feet. But also, Lord, the challenge that Paul gives us, he gave the church of Rome, are we going to live out of the grace that's given us? Are we going to give out of that grace to the world around us? Will we stop consuming by choice and contribute to the work that you're doing in the kingdom? Help us, I pray. We thank you, Lord. In your name, amen. Stand with me. Thank you for listening to the Foundry Podcast. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information on service times and upcoming events, visit our website at thefoundrywv.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thefoundrywv.